Welcome to Stories of Recovery, a MAR Recovery Resources production from MAR Addiction Treatment Center. I'm Matt Shedd. When Will Atkins was studying to be a counselor, he thought that he knew one thing, that he didn't want to work in the addiction treatment field. But when he got to the men's program at MAR as an intern about eight years ago, everything began to change. He saw the clients in recovery were learning to be connected with each other and to support one another in a way that he wanted to incorporate into his own life. He also saw the staff members here practicing a similar openness and vulnerability with one another. The way Will began to live his own life outside of Mars started to change as a result of the internship. He later became a staff member, and now eight years later, he's the new director of Mars Men's Program. To me, that's what I feel like we offer is just, I'm willing to go into the weeds with you, whatever you're experiencing, and help you walk to the other side of things. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with Will. I think it gives a really good indication of the warmth and care that our clinical staff provides to our clients and the understanding and compassion uh, that's available here for, for everybody who comes into treatment. And if you or somebody that you know, a loved one, is struggling with addiction and you're interested in getting them into treatment, please feel free to give us a call at 678-805-5131. Our assessment team is available, and the whole purpose of their job is to be there to talk to family members and people who are struggling with addiction to help them get the help that they need, even if it isn't here with us at MAR. The call is completely free, and it's completely confidential. So please, don't hesitate to call if you're needing help for yourself or somebody that you love. All right, so here's my conversation with Will. Let's talk a little bit about your journey in terms of getting into MAR um, as an intern and then um, and becoming an addiction counselor and, and all that. And, and uh, yeah, just walk us through a little sure. bit of that. So my first contact with MAR uh, was during my graduate program in counseling. And as part of that, I had to do a practicum and an internship. And at the time... Celeste was the nurse manager at Mar, and uh, she's a, a family friend. So I was talking to her. I knew that she worked roughly in the field. So I was like, do you have any ideas on where I could do my internship? She's like, you have to come to Mar. And I had told myself all along the way while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I'm open to do anything but addiction counseling. That's my one thing. I don't really want to do that. And so I was like, I, I don't know about the field, but I have to do an internship and Mar just feels like a really good place. And then basically day one, it everything flipped. Uh, and I just felt like this is where I was supposed to be. Uh, and I'd spent a lot of energy fighting against ending up here. Yeah, it's like, why yeah. am I still fighting? Let's just see where this goes. And over the course of my internship, just more and more, I was really connecting with the clients, just really getting that rewarding feeling, seeing the progress and the change in people. And... It's like I told Doug really early on, you know, I was like, I know I'm an intern, but you're going to have to make me leave. And he <laughs> laughed and kind of knew what I was talking about. I've heard that a lot from people, people that don't have a history of substance abuse that end up being counselors here um, mm -hmm. that thought that's the last thing I want to do. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to know, and you mentioned you, you got here and you liked Doug and you were drawn to him and then something kind of happened um, for you where 
you you they couldn't make you leave you know yeah. so what was it because yeah i and i'm curious like it, it makes sense to me that people with a history of substance use and that are in recovery would want to work in right. recovery but what was it that hooked you you think just in terms of interacting with the clients and all that it's really just the transparency level of honesty it was something i had never experienced anywhere um and in some ways it's something that i had been searching for uh you know like i with religion and church and things like that it's something that i had always been interested in but never really found a spot that i really felt fully connected with um so i had pieces from here and there along the way but this was the first time where i arrived somewhere and just saw something going on that was like wow this is this is on a different level than anything i've experienced and just like the the openness and yeah, the the like the openness the the vulnerability the transparency like people talking about real deep true struggles uh and being in a group full of people where that's accepted, encouraged, and uh, people are just there to support one another. I, I hadn't experienced that anywhere else before. Um, so just seeing that at first, I was like, well, that's got me intrigued. That was kind mm -hmm. of the hook. Then when I got to become more of a part of it and participate in that and you know, kind of help guide the process, uh, see how the therapeutic community operates, and then help facilitate just basically putting the, the guardrails up so the guys are able to do that work and mm -hmm. foster that level mm -hmm. of vulnerability. Just having that little piece of, of my hand in it and yeah. feeling like I'm contributing to it, like that that did it for me. You know, it's like this this is more rewarding than the other work I've done in the past. And I'm feeling more connected to the people I'm working with and the staff. That's the other piece. Um, I saw how it worked in the community. And then I don't know why this wasn't apparent to me on the front end. Uh, and maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. But I remember somewhere along the line in my internship having that aha moment of like, wait a second, I'm doing with this, my peers, with the staff, what we asked the guys to do. And it's accepted and encouraged. And that's just kind of the, the culture here. Mm -hmm. It's like, so we, we kind of are, we're practicing what, what we preach. Mm -hmm. And it's so obvious and apparent now, but for some reason on the front end, I couldn't see it that way, you know? Yeah. So like I had a taste of it firsthand and it wasn't with the guys. It was honestly, it was with Matt, um, Jim Seckman, a few other people where I had these moments. Of, other counselors. Yeah, there, other staff. counselors and staff where I was having a really big struggle with whatever it was, you know, mm -hmm. at the time. Uh various things, both work-related and just life-related. That had nothing yeah. to do with work. Um, and I had a moment or two where I was sitting in someone's office and able to just share vulnerably. Uh, and it's like, whoa, wait a second. Like, I'm seeing that and I'm attracted to it, but also I'm, I'm participating in it in yeah. a way. So it just, it felt like I was a part of the community, the the community at large that's Mar, um, part of the family. So once I experienced those moments, I think is when that switch happened of, yeah, I'm not, you're going to have to run me off. And people did for me, let me think of the best way to put this. I was invited in by the staff through them coming to me and sharing openly and uh, vulnerably. So they would come and share something about their life. And it's something else, you know, I just never experienced anywhere else I work where somebody comes and says, Hey, do you have a minute just mm -hmm. to chat comes and sits down in my office and then, opens up and shares something deep and meaningful. Um, it's like, wow, that's, that was kind of cool. You know, I feel way more connected to the people I'm working with and through them doing that with me, that gave me permission and opened me up to be able to do it with them. 
And then once I, and it's just like the guys, you know, it's like when a, a new guy comes into Mar, typically they're not the ones that lead with the risking sharing and being vulnerable. It's right. one of the guys that have been here for a while sharing with them and connecting. Um, so I had the same experience and, and I think, I mean, it parallels what the guys experience pretty spot on. You know, that's for them is where we talk about guys arriving at Mar when they're actually present and a part of and connected. Yeah. Usually it's something along those lines when they finally have that moment where, hey, so there's something else, there's something special going on here um, that I haven't experienced, and maybe I'll maybe I'll give that a try. So what is it that you think um, you've learned in your life that that like people without substance use disorders can can glean or take from uh, kind of people that are in recovery or or that yeah. That um, environment for me honestly it's all based around the principles that are found in the 12 steps and that are found in the recovery rooms it's the more honest i can be the more i'm open for the possibility of change the more honest i can be the more i'm open and available for connection the more vulnerable i can be and and again honest with my struggles it's not it feels in the moment, like it's something that's going to separate me from everybody. But mm -hmm. as I practice that and walk through it, it's a hundred percent of the time an opportunity for connection uh, with someone else. And that's where relationships are formed is in that struggle, not with the good stuff. It's the polar opposite of the, the Facebook phenomenon of here's all the wonderful things that yeah. are happening in my life and look how great my life is. It's let's celebrate and honor those moments, but that's not the whole story. Let's what else is going on with mm -hmm. you? Um, connection with with peers the male <laughs> vulnerability the outside of here it feels like that's just so taboo or not accepted and and witnessing other guys that are willing able uh to to share just mm -hmm. vulnerable what's going on with them their their feelings their emotions um and see that that's met with acceptance and encouragement and not with judgment. That's something that, again, hadn't really experienced outside right. of these walls uh, and that I probably wouldn't have experienced firsthand as much, I think, in another field. Yeah, that absolutely. Makes sense. And it's it's no judgment against the, the church groups or anything right, like that. Right. It was more those served their purpose. But for me, I didn't know what I was looking for until I found it. It was here that I was able to find that. I know uh, and the, uh, ironically, it was the same experience for my wife, who's mm. even further removed from Mar, but has this special place in her heart for Mar because of just the the little points in contact she's had, both yeah. with the staff here and then, you know, through the spiritual life group around Christmas and things like that. I remember talking to her after one of her first meetings where someone had shared their story and she was blown away. The same thing of like, she she asked, you know, she's like, where's the where's the version of this for non-alcoholics right. and addicts? And I'm like, well, you know, we can participate in this way. Yeah, you know? but right. It, it, I don't know that that necessarily exists. Um, but she had the same experience. We, uh, we had joined a church group, and I guess the person that leaded that small group for us mm -hmm. realized pretty quickly that, this is after I had started at Mar, um, realized pretty quickly that we were more open and transparent than than some just i guess i showed up in the church group as if it was a mar group yeah, you know and everyone right. else is showing up not that way um so they had us they, they, we did a similar activity it was basically a life story and we shared and i remember after the fact the 
we shared and went to to a certain level of depth and everyone that followed was like nowhere near that same service yeah. level and for me it, it it was something that i took for granted you know it's like okay what i'm getting here at mar other people can do that too and it's like well not really it's like they weren't ready or prepared or able to and that's fine um but for us like that's that's what i'm looking for is that like more more depth more vulnerability more raw and real um and it takes some work to get to that spot that's it yeah that's what exactly what i was just thinking it's like yeah, it takes it takes some practice of like doing that kind of on a regular basis to be able to do it without yeah. it totally disrupting your your whole you know equilibrium and yep. <laughs> like and yeah. the, i think the interesting thing about 12 steps is when you arrive that's already happening yeah right whereas in other areas of life it's like everyone starts from scratch and then you have to build up to that level of vulnerability. Mm. It takes so, so much time. Well, the 12 step groups are happening whether you're there or not. So when you arrive for the first time, it's like, whoa. Yeah. Cause there's people that are already further along in that process. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. And I think that invites that in so much quicker and allows for me, you know, it's like, okay, wow, that's, that's going on. Maybe I can do that too. Just seeing that gave me a different perspective on it. Right, which kind of goes back to what you're saying about the clients, where it's yep. like the ones that are further along are already pretty comfortable um, getting getting into the nitty-gritty, and so that invites it. For, Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, you arrive, and your roommate tells their life story, and, you know, no holds barred, everything's out in the open. They're willing to be emotional and vulnerable right out the gate. That's what it seems like to you. Obviously, yeah. they've been working to get to that point prior to you arriving. It's like, okay, if, if he can go to that level... Maybe I can't go there yet, but I can go a step in that direction. And then by the time they're to the point that that peer was in sharing their life story, that's it's just as natural for them too. So you've been here how long now? Seven years. I started my, let's see, seven years as an employee, eight years if you count my internship. So yeah, I started my internship in 2012. Okay. So you've probably seen some good stories in absolutely. that time absolutely because i imagine people are listening who are like yeah that's great but that can't happen for my family member or for me because sure. x y and, you know they're in jail right now and we've tried treatment five times already and you know any laundry list of reasons which are all valid you know like i understand why that feels insurmountable but have you what kind of turnarounds have you seen just kind of speaking generally since you've been here that you just not knowing that much about addiction before you got here like just thought like there's no way you know and like are, are things that jump out there's i mean there's several uh -huh. um and speaking in general terms first i've seen miracles like from the medical standpoint guys coming in that are are yellow on the liver transplant list that, you know, are on their last leg of life that are able to get sto get sober, stay sober, get a new liver, and then live happy and successful lives and come back and, you know, check in with us. And they look physically like a totally different person. So I've seen things like that or guys that come in that are in a wheelchair, just barely able to walk because of the toll their addiction has taken on their body. And then by the end, they're, you know, happy, healthy, and free. Uh, those are always amazing to, to witness and to participate in. Legally, I've seen guys that are coming out of long prison sentences uh, come in and, and have success. I've, the ones that really touch me uh, and just kind of hit me in, on a gut level are those clients that 
come to Mar while they still have pending legal charges, participate in the program, are successful, stay, stay, stay sober throughout, knowing that they're going to have to at some point go back and serve some amount of jail or prison time uh, and seeing them spiritually and mentally prepare themselves to get into recovery, go have that experience and walk through it and remain sober and then seeing them do that and then come out the other side. That's always just incredible to me. Like I, I can't fathom that, you yeah. know, of knowing that that's around the corner, knowing that, that that's there uh, and just seeing the mindset of those individuals as they're getting ready to, to go do what they need to do and really being okay with that, getting to a point of acceptance. Um, that's always amazing to see. Um, I mean, I, there's so many, do you like what does that do for you when you see it like and being part of that process in whatever way you're part of it you know it's like we only have so much control but we can participate in other people's recoveries mm -hmm. like what is that what do you take from that i mean it's just a fulfillment like nothing else you know i i can't really describe it it's one of those things that more than anything, I can't imagine not getting to experience it. I yeah. can't quite put my, my <clears throat> finger on exactly what it is or what it does, but the idea of not having the opportunity to, to work in the way that I do and to be involved and to get to see and witness mm -hmm. the changes in these people's lives, it's that's what keeps me going. It's like I, I can't imagine what it would be like not to, to get to, to be a part of that. So what was that like now, to kind of bring this back around to your new position, what was that like stepping into that role of the that leadership position for the whole center um for our whole men's center and uh you know what what were some things that you were were top priorities for you when you were getting into that role and trying to make that transition so first just kind of what it was like for me the just the the list of tasks that needed to be done that didn't intimidate me because Doug had already started shifting some of that to me and had allowed me to participate in some of those things and prepared me. So there were things I knew that I didn't know yet, but I felt pretty confident that I could step in and do the things that needed to be done. What did intimidate me was coming on the, the, the tail end of Doug and filling Doug's role, not the director role, but Doug's role, um, which is impossible. You know, I, I'm not Doug. I can't be Doug. Um, but trying to fill that spot and do provide some of the things that Doug provides for the staff and for the clients, um, that was really intimidating and overwhelming. And I'm still figuring that out. Um, I'm trying to figure out how, how Will operates in that role. Um, but also trying to take some of the things that, that Doug instilled and that Doug believed in and carry that tradition on. Um, so that was a pretty intimidating thought. Yeah. Um, so in all honesty, I think at first it was, let me just focus on the tasks that need to yeah. be done and I'll figure that out once I kind of get my, my bearings. Um, and some of that's happening, I think, but it's, it's a slow process and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm well aware that I can't feel Doug's shoes, but some of the things that Doug taught me, I think have helped me in, in the transition through the transition. Uh, and as I'm still figuring it out, um, Humility being one of those things. Uh, Doug's favorite thing was when I would come to him and say, I don't know how to do something or I have no clue what I'm doing here. That's harder to do when you feel like you're in a role that's 
supposed to be the guy that's got it together and all those things we tell ourselves. But I continue to practice that. I still talk to people about my struggles and, you know, the fact that I don't know what the best course of action may be and get feedback and utilize my community the same way I always have. Um, so that's been one thing that's been very helpful to me. The staff has been incredibly supportive to me, which, you know, in, in my head, it's I have to be that for the staff. Um, but it's a two way street, which is an awesome feeling. Um, another thing Doug always told me and then I know he always shared with the guys was that our character defects come to the surface most often during times of transition and I was in the midst of a big transition so I was on the lookout for that um, which I know some of my character defects and of course there they are you know but being aware of that and walking through that I was able to kind of keep those in check Uh, and then the other thing he always said was for the guys in particular was during times of transition, that's always a time to to double down or to increase what you're doing in terms of working your program. So for guys, that means, you know, you're transitioning, whatever you have been doing meeting wise and with your sponsor for the next little bit, do a little more. So I think it was more on a subconscious level, but for me, the analog to that was do the things that have been working for me and that have worked for Mar, double those things down during the transition. Um, so practicing my own self-care, did more of that than, than the usual. But then also, okay, what, what makes Mar Mar? Community. So let's focus on the community. Let's focus on the guys. Let's make sure that they're operating well. If they're operating well, the staff is operating well, it kind of trickles both directions there. Um, so what are our main things that we focus on? Spiritual principles. So let's make it that the primary focus, the community. And really that's just get back to basics. You know, let's keep things that have been working as close to that as we can as we transition through and then we'll figure things out after the dust has settled. And COVID <laughs> kind of stirred up more dust. The dust really hasn't settled, but the same principles applied through that and it really has worked out well. And I think consistency is key and keeping things calm and and allowing people to feel heard and supported through a little bit of chaos uh, is the best things we can do so that's really that's been my focus how can i keep things calm how can i do what i need to do to take care of myself so i can show up and be present and and helpful to others and let's continue to do what works um and so far knock on wood you know so far so good and uh the changes that have happened in my job have been more of my creating really than anything else. Um, the pressure I put on myself or the kind of the things I feel actually what I'm showing up and doing is not a whole lot different. You know, um, the specifics may be different, but the general kind of the general approach to everything is just continue doing things the way that they've been and it tends to work out. So yeah, if, if somebody were to ask like maybe an alumni, from like 20 or 30 years ago, like, oh, well, what's Mar like now that Doug's not here? Mm -hmm. What would your response be? Mar's still Mar, you know? Um, The things that that person experienced while they were at Mar, they would still have the opportunity to experience today. With the exception of those little moments, perhaps, with Doug in his office, they may show up in, in someone else's office. You know, you may have that moment with Ashley or you may have that moment with Matt. Uh, Mark or Bob or whoever it may be. Um, But that spirit of Doug 
continues to live on just through the the process of Mar. Mar on the whole, uh, we're still continuing to set the table to give clients every opportunity to have those moments. Um, so it, it 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 happens still. It's just a little different in terms of Doug and his presence, his voice in the hall that you yeah. can hear from the other yeah. side of the building. Um, there's yeah. not as much of that. Outside of that, we're trying to keep things keep things simple. I think the one that's huge too that might not make it to those bullet points that we talk about a lot but that you just feel is that the staff practices the same principles that absolutely that yep. like you you talked about that a lot before and now that was really kind of the big hook for you. Absolutely. And I, I think a way to to describe that is just and and what I feel about Mar um is how relationship based we are, how relationally based mm. we are. The availability that the staff has for our clients is amazing. You know, doors are always open. People are always available and ready to talk at the drop of a hat. And that's both ways. Again, it's for the yeah. clients and for the staff. Um, just that inviting open door, come in and let's touch base and talk about what's going on policy. Uh, that will definitely continue to live on because that, to me, is what's so special. Especially when people are coming into this, you know, time of treatment where their life is so everything feels so raw. Yeah, that is such a comfort, you know, to yeah. know that the person's sitting there really seeing you and hearing you. Yeah, I I had a moment with a guy uh, relatively recently, but he was just experiencing a ton of anxiety, like on a level that I really hadn't seen before. And that's he, hard to see. It is. And there's not a whole lot you can do, you know, outside of, of being with them. And that's really all I offered. But he came by my office and was just basically vibrating out of his chair, you know, just oh. so overwhelmed and anxious. And I could have sent him to group or, you know, sent him back to medical to see if there was anything they could do or, or whatever. But instead... I just told him to come into the office and we closed the door and I just sat with him. I don't even think we said any words. We just sat for probably 45 minutes mm. and just were with one another. And then at the end of that, he said, thanks, got up and left. And then later on in his progress, he came and talked to me about how important that one moment was. And it's, again, it's just a relationship that I offered all I could offer, which was just a space. Just I'm, I'm willing to sit with you in this. Um, I know you're uncomfortable. I can't change that. Uh, I don't have the right words to say. I'm I'm in it with you. And that's what he talked about after the fact. And that was a moment that was really meaningful for me, you know, of it was uncomfortable for me, mm -hmm. you know, just to, to sit there and not be able to help or do yeah. something for him. Uh, but that's, to me, that's what I feel like we offer is just, I'm willing to go into the weeds with you, whatever you're experiencing and help you walk to the other side of things. And I feel that is offered to me mm -hmm. as well from the other people that I work with. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. You know, and in this time of transition and COVID and is there anything that's like, like different in terms of like where you want to go or new things you're trying to incorporate or is the focus more on just maintaining that track? I would say that number one focus is maintaining the track. Mm -hmm. I don't want us to divert or get off because of external circumstance. Trying to s make sure we're hitting that mark first and foremost, and then we're having to get creative to keep things on that track or to accommodate the circumstances that are outside of our control. Um, but trying to make sure that it, 
we're, we're on the foundation of our philosophy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're doing some new things that I'm excited about. And some of these things and changes that we're having to make, I think will be things that stick around beyond current circumstance just because mm-hmm. they've been beneficial, but also because they fit in with the philosophy. If they didn't, then they would fall by the wayside. But, you know, we're doing things right now. Traditionally, uh, the guys would, and gals would be able to go out and do things on the weekends, go to the movies, mm-hmm. do these community-based activities, and they're not really able to do that. So they're spending more time in the apartments, and, which is good on some level. They're having that kind of community time, but not the the recreation and bonding and uh, on the level that would typically be happening. So we're doing things like hosting game night, doing things in-house uh, that staff are participating in too, and uh, just more opportunities to to form a relationship, have connections, spend time with one another and do things that are, are fun and meaningful. Um, and we have done that in the past, but we've had to increase that and bump that up to accommodate a need, right? And I think that may be something we do beyond this, you know, right. because I think it, it, we've seen the benefit. It's really helpful. The Some of the the Zoom technology for the, the meetings online and things like that, uh, in certain groups for alumni, that's been extremely helpful because we're able to participate in groups and have people join in that typically wouldn't be able to because of where they're living or, you know, circumstance. Um, so we're not going to have all our groups be online, you know, yeah. to go to that extreme, but to have that opportunity to, to broaden that community and keep people connected and feeling a part of, uh, has been extremely impactful, uh, mm-hmm. both, both ways there for helpful for our guys that are here. Um, uh, and then also helpful for our long-term alumni. So, there's been some exciting change that comes yeah. from it. But again, just trying to keep keep the the train on the tracks and moving mm-hmm. in the right direction. Uh, what's This is my last question. What's one thing you'd pass on to people um, that are listening? For me, it's I don't question whether or not I can do it alone. I know that I can't do it alone. Um, and when I can accept that, it frees me up a lot. Mm. I'm then able to to acknowledge, accept that, reach out, ask for help, and and get the support from the people that care for me and that I care about, and then I'm able to show up and do the things that need to be done. Um, that's a great answer. That because I think that's the trap that we get we can get pulled into a lot of like this is all up to me. Yeah, I've got to put this whole thing on my back and just grip my teeth and get us through it. But it's like I I, I know for a fact that that by myself and and solely on my own, it's not possible, you know? Um, for me, the the fact that I was pretty quickly able to say, wait a second, I can't be Doug yeah. was the most helpful thing. Yeah. Um, because I can't, and that's yeah. okay. But I can do the best I can do and show up and be the best me I can be. Uh, but the only way I can do that is by utilizing the people around me. Um, I'm only at my best when I'm surrounded by my my community, my people. Absolutely. Um, otherwise, I get overwhelmed, and because it's impossible. Yeah, and it reminds me of something uh, Doug would. I heard Doug say to me a couple times of just like the secret to him having this job as long as he has that he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I, I am absolutely okay with admitting yeah. that as well. You yeah, know, it's, right. I'm doing the best I can, and luckily for me, I don't have to make all these decisions on my own. Yeah. I'm the one that that 
may have the final word or get some of the credit for making the decisions, but they're rarely, if ever, made in isolation. They're just not. I approach everything that we do at MAR the same way that I approached it as a residential manager, the same way that I approached it as an intern, uh, the same way that our clients approach it. Mm -hmm. It's I get feedback from every source I can. I check myself. I check my own motives. I try to remove myself from the equation whenever possible Mm -hmm. and let the process work itself. And it does. And when I do that, Mar is better for it. I'm better for it because I'm taking better care of myself, not getting myself all intertwined with things that don't have anything to do with me. And it works out. Yeah. Community, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. We use that word a lot. And I think the guys probably get sick of us talking about it, but that that really is what it all boils down Mm -hmm. to across the board. Yeah, even in even in the when you're in that leadership position, yep. still you're relying on the community. Yep. And I'll say this as well, and I don't know if this is helpful or not, but another thing that that guys in long term recovery, I think, have sometimes have similar similar troubles. A guy in long term recovery that relapses, a lot of times, is one that ends up isolated because they feel like they have to have it all together, that they're in some uh, position of, of reverence or, you know, mm-hmm. that they're they're the ones that I've been, been in recovery for this long, so I should know what I need to do. I shouldn't be struggling. I shouldn't be asking for help. Uh, and we always tell them, you know, it's lonely at the top. If you're not in the middle, having somebody that's able to help you while you're helping other people, mm-hmm. at some point you're going to get burnt out and just overwhelmed and, you know, you're human. Uh, and so as director and having that title, which is something that's not important to me, but still, I think that philosophy is helpful. There's no top. Yeah. It just isn't. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, I, there's always somebody that's going to, I need to have that can be helpful for me. And luckily at Mar, I trust every single one of my staff members to be that person for me. So it's not one person that I put in that spot of authority mm-hmm. over me. It's we're all part of a team and it's that's just how we operate. That's it for this episode of Stories of Recovery. Thanks so much for joining us and thanks to my guest Will Atkins for sitting down and sharing what he loves so much about working in the addiction treatment field and why he loves Mar. And once again, just a quick reminder, if you or someone you love needs help and you don't know what to do right now, don't hesitate. Please pick up the phone call our clinical assessment team at 678-805-5131. You can also call us at 1-800-732-5430. And if picking up the phone feels like a little bit too much right now, that's okay. You can actually reach out to us via our chat function on our website. All you have to do is go to marinc.org. That's M-A-R-R-I-N-C dot O-R-G. In the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see a chat option. Just click on that and send a message and someone from our clinical assessment team will get back to you. And just so you know, all conversations with our clinical assessment team are completely free and completely confidential. Thanks so much for joining us at Stories of Recovery. We're already looking forward to next time.